Hi, this is Dion Baig from Butler Mortgage. We're currently ranked the number one mortgage brokerage in Ontario and number two in Canada. And much of our success is due to the fact that we help clients acquire multiple investment properties. If you'd like to talk with a mortgage advisor who specializes in investment property, you can reach me at 888-684-8326. To learn more about what's going on in the world of investment property financing, check out episode 23 of the Breakthrough Podcast, where I discuss the topic with Robin Sandy. Are you someone who has no idea that they can be heard? Has brilliant ideas and wants to get them out there? Has a podcast but can't keep up with the work or just wants to focus on things that matter? Then Podcast Engineers is your gateway to get your voice heard. They don't just edit your podcast. They enhance your listeners' experience. You simply do what you do best. That is to record and they do the rest. You can find them at podcastengineers.com. Rob and I have been using Podcast Engineers to help make our show sound great. Send them an email to get an episode edited free and a discounted plan. Are you stressed about insurance? Get a custom insurance policy at a good price that lets you rest easy knowing your business is covered in case of a loss. With over six years of experience specializing in insuring small to medium-sized businesses in Ontario, your focus should be growing your business and ours is to protect it. Contact on at theinsurers.ca. Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, Episode 64. Welcome to the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. We put this show together to inspire you and help you break through to the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. My name is Rob Brake. Here with me again, as usual, is Sandy McKay. Hey, Sandy. Hey, Rob. How are things now? Things are awesome. As always, uh, working hard and everything, and but excited once again to be here. Excited about our guests. Excited to uh, share some great content again. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, yeah, a couple of things off the top. I just wanted to mention, of course, that I uh, recently did a big jump in my career. So I've just recently joined Rockstar Real Estate, and that's very exciting for me. And I just wanted to say the reason that I'm so excited about it is because we are a very unique brokerage that is investor-focused. And we host all kinds of seminars and information sessions for investors who want to learn. So I'm going to be able to offer a ton of extra value to my clients. And Rockstar just has so much content out there that, you know, I encourage everyone who hasn't necessarily heard of us to go and check out the website at rockstarbrokerage.com. Last weekend was the event that they hold every, I think, twice a year the your life your terms event where there was like 750 people that turned out there and there was a bunch of different speakers and it was amazing so uh, lots of energy in the room lots of motivation for everybody and i'm just super pumped to be now working with those guys so that was really exciting i haven't changed any of my contact info though you know it's still rob at mrbreakthrough.ca and email is the same info at breakthroughreipodcast.ca so um Everything else is the same, and I'm still working in the same area as before, just uh, covering this side, the east side of Toronto for Rockstar. So 
that's uh, my news. <laughs> Sandy, awesome. did Exciting. you? Congrats. Thanks, man. It's fun. It's Exciting. been fun. You know, it's so much different when, you know, I'm not going to knock my old brokerage at all. That was a great place to be. But the people that I'm interacting with just don't have the same mindset as me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not about mm-hmm. the investments like it is for me and, and a lot of the clients I'm working with. So this is just one way to give extra value back. So, yeah, it is exciting. Awesome. What about you, man? What have you been up to? I'm trying to think what we were up to since last episode. Nothing like drastic like you. Nothing too crazy has changed or updated with us. We're we're still uh, just getting into the busy season, I suppose, with the market. It's getting more active. So excited to have a big year around that. And yeah, I mean, the market, I don't know about you, Rob, it seems to be picking up a little bit mm-hmm. as far as, uh, you know, everyone was worried about what these mortgage rules and everything was going to do. I think at least locally where we are, it's been pretty active in the last few weeks. It feels like it's uh, picking up some steam for the spring again. So I think as always, time to take action for every investor before we get uh, too crazy with pricing and before you feel like you missed out. Yeah, for sure. And uh, while I'm thinking of it, you know, it was really exciting for me last night. I ran into uh, Ian Zabo, who we had on the show uh, talking about fix and flips. Mm. I think that was a couple of years ago. And uh, so that was really fun. If you didn't hear that episode, go back and listen to that. He shares a ton of information about flipping houses, but uh, ran into him last night and I got to sit on the short bus and get a couple (laughs) pictures with him and catch up. So that was really cool. So if you haven't seen what he's doing lately, go onto Facebook and check out some of his short bus talks videos. Yeah. And, did you do like uh I just I talked to him actually a couple of days ago too. I committed to collaborate for something with him. He's um doing a really cool event. I think the event would have happened by the time this event airs. It's in the next couple of weeks. However, it's it, it's cool. It's going to be a, an event in Toronto with Gary Vaynerchuk and some other big names in in marketing and that type of stuff. But the cool thing is he's essentially we're raising funds to get and everyone's committed to getting 10 students who are struggling or could benefit from that type of an event. And we're basically funding their ticket to it. So I know Ian was really leading the charge there. And I don't know, he sold me on, on participating in it as well. So I'm hoping to get some a good crowd out there of at least 10 students that will join in and come with us to the event. So it's going to be a really yeah. cool event. That's the end of February. Yeah, it's on the 27th. It'll be done by the time this is out. But it does sound like a cool event. I'm not going to be around, unfortunately. Or else I would be there too. But Gary Vanderchuk's going to be there as well, isn't he? Yeah, it's a big title, a big person to have for sure. And then he's going to come do a little bit for us here at some point. Ian's going to come with his short bus. And we'll probably see in the future at some point, we'll see an interview with me and him chatting in the back of the bus. So <laughs> it'll be funny. It'll be right exciting. on. Yeah, that'll be cool. Yeah, link to that when we get it for sure. Another thing I wanted to mention quickly is yesterday, Sandy, you and I were guests on the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. Yeah. That was fun with uh, Matt and Adam Scalina. So that should be up sometime soon. If you haven't heard that show, uh, they do a pretty fun show over there out of Vancouver. So Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. Check yeah, that yeah, out. Go check it out. Yeah, it was fun. And we've got a new free report up on our website. Everyone should go check out. Finally, it's been what four years, and we have a, a new. <laughs> well, I mean, we haven't needed a new one for four years, but we've been talking about it for a long time. We have. So it's a brand new one. If you haven't got it yet, go check it out. It's called the Ultimate Strategy for Building Wealth in Real Estate, and really it hones in on uh, one of our main core strategies that we've used in our business to buy a lot of properties to buy multiple properties a year, mostly using none of our own money or very little of our own money. You could do it 
100% with your money if you wanted to as well. But there's a few different uh, cool strategies in there to help you build your business quickly and really build your portfolio up to a good level really fast. So go grab that. It's on our website again, breakthroughreapodcast.ca. And uh, there's also a few other things coming along after that that we're working on. So uh, just keep up to date on there. Jump on our mailing list if you haven't yet and, uh, and you'll stay in the loop with what we're doing. Yeah, and you know, I usually read the uh, new podcast reviews that we have, but I'm not going to do that this month because we've got just a bunch of them. we got too many for me to read them, actually, this time. So uh, that and all the other stuff that we've just been going on about, I figured I won't take up time with it, but I wanted to thank everybody who has left them. It looks like seven five-star reviews since last time we did a show, so that's awesome. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Keep them coming in, guys. You know, it sounds like a simple thing to do, but it's really not. You've got to, like, if you don't have an iTunes account, you have to create one before you can leave the review. And, you know, it's not just as simple as going on and typing up a few things. So I want to thank everybody for taking the time to do that. Yeah, it's awesome. It really just helps it grow the awareness of our show and get on some great guests. Yeah, they were pumping us up on that show yesterday, too, talking about all of our five-star reviews. And I guess that's how you gain, like, your, your accolades, whatever, eh? Yeah. Must be. I don't know. We've got 131 reviews on iTunes now, so... We're doing well. So I now would like to introduce our guest, uh, Zara Marani from Marani Law. And we finally have a lawyer on the show. So there's plenty of things to talk to her about. So welcome, Zara. And thanks for being here with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. Interesting initial overview there. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we normally don't have that much to say. Yeah. <laughs> Zara is focused on advising her clients in real estate and commercial law and provides practical advice to help her clients grow their portfolios and their businesses. Zara has also developed a niche practice in advising private investor clients who are involved in uh, private mortgages in the greater Toronto area and beyond. And I know there's a whole lot of other things she's doing, but that's kind of a brief overview. Anything else to really mention off the top there, Zara? No, thank you for the introduction. And uh I think that's a great start. Thanks. Yeah, you were telling us a funny story just before we went on the air, actually, <laughs> of what it was like. I don't know. Tell us the story you told us before uh, we went on. <laughs> well, you asked for something funny and unique, and I was, I guess, what came to mind was closing a real estate deal from the hospital when my son was, I don't know, I think less than 18 hours old. That was, you know, something that uh, it was some years back when the firm was still in its infant stages. And uh, there was just a couple of us here. And my articling student was, of course, off writing the bar the next day. And my son decided to show up 13 days early. All the work was done. Everything was in place. We just needed to close the deal. At the time, I was the only real estate lawyer in the office. Of course, things have dramatically changed since then. But I had a lawyer on call who said, you know, if anything happens with the baby, you know, then just give me a call and I'll be happy to take over anything that needs to be done. But on closing day, really, we had everything teed up. All the documents were signed. Everything was good to go. It was just closing the deal. So it could have almost been as long to instruct somebody at the end of the deal as it was to do it myself. <laughs> so I decided to close it right from the hospital. See, so from That's dedication. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, it was good. <laughs> my kids started, you know, some of their first words were, Mommy, these are documents for my clients to sign. And I was thinking, oh, my God, what am I doing to them? <laughs> so. uh, that's great. 
I know, so we've got a bunch of stuff to talk to you about, but um, we're going to sort of focus in on, well, a couple of different things. But I guess we're going to talk a little bit about condos because, you know, that's a lot of the business going on right now. So when you have a client that's buying a new condo, what are some of the things that you make a point of advising them on? That's a good question. Condos are a very hot market right now, and buying a new build is a really attractive strategy for a lot of investors for a lot of reasons. Usually at this stage in the game when it's pre-construction, the builder offers, you know, competitive pricing. They also, depending on if they're buying, you know, like I say, before the building starts at all, being built at all, the buyers get their choice of the lot that they want, if it's, you know, not if it's a freeholder townhouse, also the floor that they're looking for, if we're looking at condos and exposure. So depending on the view that they want, there's also the option to potentially customize certain elements of the unit, which is, you know, an advantage of buying pre-construction. Of course, uh, there are also risks involved in buying something that is not yet built. And so we as lawyers do see a number of pitfalls that when we do, you know, advise our clients pre-construction, there are certain pitfalls that we always advise on and caution our clients about. Oh, okay. Did you want to share what a few of those pitfalls might be then? Sure. Yeah, I'll give you a couple of those for thought. So first of all, condo investors generally trust the floor plan that they're given. And, you know, when you're given a listing for a resale home, of course, the home is already built. The floor plan is the floor plan. You can go visit the home and you can see what you're getting into. On the other hand, pre-construction, you know, we don't exactly know what's going to be the end product. The builders do tend to provide drawings and whatnot of what they envision and what their plan is, but things change along the way and laws can change, plans can change, planning permission can change and you know, certain things can come up during the whole process that change the floor plan significantly. And, you know, you can see like oftentimes that square footage involves the hallways, outside space such as decks and balconies. And so sometimes measurements can be based on external walls. And as, as a buyer purchasing pre-construction, when you're looking at the square footage, it is notable that you should, you know, keep it in mind that the advertise floor space could involve these types of spaces. So if square footage is important, we do advise our clients to ask for specifics and not rely on verbal assurances, floor models or the brochures or anything like that. And also keep it in mind that still things can change because the builders do have discretion to change their images, floor plans, layouts. And as a buyer in these types of contracts, really, especially in a contract that you're signing with the builder, the original contract will say that you as a buyer have no say. We suggest to our clients that they ask for more details on the room sizes and the plan details, if at all possible. And oftentimes, because builders can't give these assurances, depending on what stage we're at in building, when the contract is signed. So even though you know we ask for that information and we find that builders sometimes can't give these assurances, so then what we do is we request that any changes to the plan that affect the size by, say, plus or minus 3 to 5% have to be agreed in writing by the buyer. And at that point, if the buyer feels as though there's an issue like down the road because the, the size was affected, they can potentially negotiate a price reduction or even retain an option to you know, terminate the deal without penalty. 
Do you find though that that's something that the buyer's you know willing to sign, or because the easy answer would just be no, we're not going to sign that, wouldn't it? Well, you mean like the original agreement? No, no. For like you said, you would request a form saying oh. to the builder that you know if there was any significant oh, change. Right. Because the, the easy answer, and I've run into this a million times if I'm dealing with the city or whatever, the simple answer is just no. From the builder, you mean? Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, they do sort of hesitate on certain points. Uh, they won't, if it's a really hot project, you may not be able to get any sort of terms like that negotiated. If it's something that's not selling so quickly, we have a little bit more wiggle room. Mm-hmm. But okay. nonetheless, the client knows what they're getting into, right? Then at least from the outset, nobody can turn around and say, oh, my gosh, I had no idea that this was included. We're always giving, you know, when the client comes to us for advice, and this is what I'm talking about is particularly in Ontario, we have the 10-day cooling off period. Mm-hmm. And during that time, the contract, although it's been signed by both parties, it is negotiable and it can be. So th- this is the time when we negotiate with the builders and potentially if the client turns around and says, you know what, we asked for these certain things, the builder is saying no. So guess what? I'm out. I don't mm-hmm. want to deal with it. And that's during the time where, you know, it is the cooling off period. So by law, they can come out without penalty. You know, I do like the request for the clarification on the square footage in that, though. Because that sounds like something that, you know, you're not asking for anything special, but you are asking, hey, you know, let's get a little more clear on exactly what's included in this 650 square feet or whatever it may be. Right. And yeah, when it turns out to be like if the square footage, you know, that is relevant to the buyer is 50 or 60 or square feet less or whatever it may be, at least they're making an informed decision at that point. Mm hmm. So that's like one of the pitfalls. Another one is that condo investors don't always retain a lawyer. And the thing is that when you are buying, you know, a newer pre-construction condo, the purchase agreement is this lengthy document that is full of fine prints written in legalese. And you can sign it right there with the builder. And you think, oh, I've bought this new condo. It's, you know, a hot area and I'm going to go and, you know, this is going to be a great investment. And all the terms and conditions are not really spelled out for you at that meeting in the builder's sort of showroom or or sales office. And a lot of times we deal with buyers down the line when they're, you know, closing years later and they think, oh, what's going on here? I didn't realize that, you know, skipping that initial legal advice from the outset was going to cause me certain problems that at that point, there's no chance of future negotiating, right? Because during that 10-day cooling off period, we can work to make sure that A, the client understands and B, any negotiations that are possible are done during that time. If you miss that cooling off period, the deal is firm and it is according to the builders, how the builders lawyers wrote the contract. And so any sort of further negotiation is limited by that governing document at that point. And we've seen actually clients end up because they didn't get any legal advice from the outset. And they came to us a couple of years later when their townhouse was ready to move in. And they ended up with this electrical utility box on the front lawn of their home. And they had really, according to the contract, no grounds to negotiate. Despite the original plans looking different, there were terms and conditions and fine print in there that, you know, these types of things 
may happen and the buyer had no say. So clients who choose not to have, you know, their contracts initially reviewed during that period can end up with substitutions, exclusions, or inclusions that can significantly change the value of their unit at the end of the day. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. When would you recommend then is the best time to talk to a lawyer? Is it they can buy it first and then during the cooling off period or should they even talk to you before that? Well, generally that 10 days, it's very hard. So like if you've got, say for instance, you're signing, I don't know, around Christmas or Easter where we have a couple of statutory holidays in a row there, you know, the 10 days is not 10 business days, it's 10 days. So if you sign on a Friday night, you know, your 10 days starts running right away and you can end up not having a lot of business days in there depending on when you're signing. And so I would suggest that it's important to get a hold of or know, you know, that you're going to work with a lawyer either right at the beginning of that 10 days so that you give the lawyer time because it does take us time. These are like 80 to 100 page documents sometimes that we have to spend, you know, go through with a fine tooth comb and it doesn't just happen quickly. I've had clients say, oh, my 10 day cooling off period is ending in 24 hours. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, I, I have a full 24 hours. So I don't want to take on that type of liability. And it's hard to nail somebody down in the last moment mm-hmm. of that 10 days. So I think it's probably useful to have spoken to someone before. If not before, then as soon as possible when you do sign. Good. I do have maybe one more pitfall if we have time. Of course. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So, you know, this has to do with like the critical date and delays that condo investors have typically seen in the past with respect to construction being delayed and then moving dates being delayed. So it was just over 10 years ago that if a new build condo wasn't ready on time, it was basically the client's problem. And that sort of changed in 2006 when there was a decision, a Tarion decision was challenged and a Toronto purchaser would challenge the decision with like possession date was delayed by eight months. And it changed how Tarion and other provincial warranty programs handle builder delays. So critical dates are now included as part of the purchase agreement. And it's a part of every contract in the Tarion section of the agreement. And now if a builder misses any of these critical dates and requires an extension, then it is requested from like the buyers updated and the buyer has a right either to agree to the extension and in certain cases they can seek compensation for this delay or they can opt to terminate the contract without penalty. So either way, we suggest that in the event that a buyer is requested by a builder to delay their occupancy, that they do seek legal advice at that point, because there are certain things that we have to do to protect their right in terms of getting compensation if that is an option. Now, just out of curiosity, like the case that you were talking about was delayed eight months for possession. Mm-hmm. Now, with these critical dates, how far out are they in relation to the original dates, like in general? Is there like a guideline that's followed for that? Yeah, the general, it's still, they have a lot of wiggle room. Usually you see about a two-year window for for occupancy. Yes. So eight eight months is nothing then. (laughs) We want to see eight months on there. The thing is, it's about certainty, right? It's about certainty of the contract. And Mm. knowing that a lot of times there are delays. I mean, we recently, last year, did about a dozen closings at a building that was, it must have been nearly three years outside of their original 
period. And so the original period lasted two years and they were into the third year. And I can't remember how many notices we received for those clients about the change of occupancy. Almost every six to eight weeks, the builder had run into some issues. And each of our clients got $7,500 in compensation for those of them who continued to close the deal. And that's a couple months rent. Yeah. And they had bought <laughs> four years in advance. So, you know, they had the builder's prices from the outset. Yeah, that's good. Now, is it always an option to back out of the contract or is that just one of the things that might be on there? Yeah. If they're outside of the window, they, because, you know, it's not really fair to impose the closing on somebody who, you know, may have a different set of circumstances outside that window. Like we had clients who were retiring and then could no longer qualify for the mortgage. And so taking them outside that window significantly changed their circumstances. And yes, they do have the option then to consider termination. Okay, good. And another investment strategy we see a lot is wholesaling or assigning like an assignment of the purchase agreement contract. How does the assignment process differ when it comes to new condos as opposed to just resale property? Okay, good question. So with an assignment, the seller is actually not selling a property, of course. They're selling their contract with the builder. The, the condo doesn't exist as yet, so therefore, of course, they can't own it. And so it's important, you know, this is a really good question, actually. It brings up a lot of points. And we'll talk about maybe a little bit later the advantages and risks of assignments. And also, it's really important to note that a lot of builders from the outset, when the original purchaser, which is the assignor in the case of an assignment, so the builders restrict the assignment of contracts by these assignors or original purchasers, as you may, and they do so by either perhaps charging a fee to assign, and that fee can range in the original agreement. We usually see it sort of being between, could be as low as 500, but it can go up to $7,500. So selling on the contract, comes at a fee, which is, of course, payable to the builder. And also, they may restrict it by only giving the potential to sell the assignment agreement after a majority of the units have already been sold by the builder. So typically, we see sort of between 80 and 90% because they don't want the assignment to be creating competition with the builder's sale of, of the same type of unit. Mm-hmm. And also, it's almost, if not always, necessary for the assignor to obtain builder approval for these types of assignments. And in the original agreements, if you didn't have it reviewed, that sometimes the builder writes in there and the T's and C's that the builder can withhold their consent for no good reason. And that's something that, again, if you have that contract reviewed in the 10-day cooling off period, we would recommend that the builder say that they can only withhold with reason, because otherwise you could just say, well, today I don't feel like letting you assign your contract and then done deal, right? So these are all other things that we look out for. I'm surprised that because what I've heard is that normally it's just a flat out, you can't do that. They won't allow you to assign the contract. If you want to sell it back, then a lot of times the builder will look at buying it back. This is what I'm told. I don't deal too much in the condo. Uh, like I've done a bunch of wholesaling, but never in new builds or condos. So that was something I was really curious about myself because what I've heard is just it's a straight up, either the builder will buy it back from you, possibly for a little bit more, or you just can't do it. Your choice is to you know 
do your best to close on? Well, I don't know. <laughs> In Toronto, it's a hot market. The assignment market is pretty big. Actually, we do them very regularly. Uh huh. Is it investors doing it or just people that run into problems? It's a bit of both, I would say. Uh, yeah, I have a mix. Like I say, I have three sitting on my desk to review right now. <laughs> Zara, can you explain to us then the advantages, maybe the pros and cons and risks of assignments for buyers in these condo assignments? Sure. So assignment agreements can be a great way to purchase a condo in a building that perhaps has no remaining inventory or low inventory when, you know, whatever is left is not necessarily what the buyer is looking for in terms of floor plan or exposure or number of bedrooms, bathrooms, etc. And oftentimes the assignment, so purchasing an assignment, which is like the agreement to step in. So basically the assignment, just to backtrack for a moment, for the purchaser, they're purchasing the agreement that the original buyer bought. So now we're looking at an assignor, the original buyer, and the assignee, (laughs) the new buyer. So the assignee steps into the shoes of the original buyer. And oftentimes the assignor is selling this contract for less than what the actual purchase price ends up being when the building eventually is registered and the condors are then offered uh, for sale in the resale market. So they're kind of buying at an in-between period. And it, from a cost perspective, it can be definitely advantageous. And in the meantime, the assignor, who was the original buyer and is selling, they generally make a great profit on the sale and they never had to pay for any of the registration costs or, you know, they didn't close the deal. So they just make money on flipping it in between. Hmm. Another pro that I can think of is that you know, the whole process of the assignment, while it can be more complicated than purchasing a resale, it does allow a buyer to get into a brand new unit. And they often, at this point, depending on when they're closing that assignment agreement, they don't have to wait several years for construction to be completed like they would have had to if they bought directly from the builder at the time that, like before the builder broke the ground. So, and as I mentioned too, like at this point, they may still have the opportunity to get a desired floor plan that may be sold out otherwise. Again, going back to the price, buyers of these assignment deals can also sort of see a cost savings of between sort of 5 and 10% from what the builder's current prices would be for comparable units. So there are definitely some really great advantages. And of course, there are some potential risks with buying a contract rather than buying an actual unit. So when a purchaser buys an assignment, they are, as I mentioned earlier, essentially stepping into the shoes of the original purchaser. So at that point, there is no cooling off period and there is no statutory time that they're allowed to negotiate the original agreement with the builder. At this point, they're taking on all the terms and conditions that the original purchaser had agreed to. So if that purchaser didn't go to their lawyer during that 10-day, as I said, in Ontario, the 10-day cooling off period to get any sort of points negotiated or to understand the risks or anything. At this point, they're simply passed on to the assignee via the assignment agreement. And while the assignee could have their lawyer review the agreement again, that would simply be to understand the risks and understand what they're buying, but, but again, not to negotiate the terms. Yeah, I suppose not. But they would also, they would more than likely be able to get a copy of the 
contract for a lawyer to go over before they signed anything, like before they. Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure, we always recommend that that. Well, it's always in at least in Ontario, it's scheduled to the assignment agreement, so it has to be produced before the agreement is confirmed. Right. Okay. But again, like if that first person didn't have anything reviewed, some of those unfavorable terms can pass on to the assignee, which means that that agreement as an assignment agreement may not be as favorable as it could have been. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another con would be that depending on what stage the construction is at when the assignment is completed, the assignee may not be able to be involved in selecting any finishes or upgrades. So those might already be completed by the assignor, the original buyer, at the time of the assignment agreement. So that could come potentially, you know, as a, a detriment of this type of a deal. Also, HST is a major consideration when it comes to assignment. And there are a number of factors that come into play here. But one of the major factors is the intention of the original purchaser at the time that they signed the agreement of purchase and sale. So as an assignee, one might be responsible for paying, you know, tens of thousands of dollars of HST on closing, depending on what that original intention was of the first buyer. It's a very sort of complicated area of the law, which I recommend that everybody get their advice on straight at the time of the assignment agreement, because it could really come as a great surprise if the assignee is depending on getting the HST builder's rebate, and then they're no longer eligible because of this intention of the original purchaser. You know, I can't go into details at this point because it is advice that we'd have to give on an individualized basis. Yeah, exactly. It would kind of be difficult to prove what the intention was, I would imagine, as well. Yeah, and we have declarations and whatnot that we deal with in this type of situation. But but what is noteworthy is that if the assignee is buying for the purpose now of moving in or having one of their immediate family members move in, even if they have to pay that HST on closing, it is generally something that they can reclaim through CRA within a few months of closing, but it does have to come up. It is out of pocket from the outside. And I mean, like you said, they're probably getting a better deal than they would if they were buying from the builder still. So it's just a win-win all around in most cases. And, (laughs) And I think obviously there's a reason that they're not buying from the builder. They might buy from this person who wants to assign it. And that would be just the fact that it has one of those, check marks that the rest of whatever's available doesn't cover like an extra bedroom or the exposure or whatever you mentioned before. Mm -hmm. So those little things, I think like maybe even when they did notice, oh, well, you know, the square footage is a little bit smaller and now we didn't have anything in there originally to protect us. If it was me, I'd probably still say, you know what? I think I'm getting a good deal. I don't know. Like I would assume that I would probably be in that mindset. So it still sounds like there's a lot of pros to go along with it for everyone. Yeah. I think that the pros probably in most cases outweigh the cons and the cons can be overcome by proper advice. The only thing I could think of there though, is that if you do have somebody like if I'm like the builder might have a case where they're like, well, Sandy McKay seems to have bought, you know, 17 condo units for his own personal use. And now he's decided he doesn't need them. Well, (laughs) maybe all of them weren't actually bought for his personal use. Let's look into that. 
Yeah, that definitely would be very, very difficult. to. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't claim that you bought 17 as a, you know, for a residence, unless you have maybe like 10 kids and so many, <laughs> I don't know, in-laws and <laughs> unless you, the immediate family member. Uh, of a past of being very generous. Yeah, exactly. It would be extremely difficult, if not impossible, to claim all of those as primary residence. Certainly, probably impossible. <laughs> so where are we now? There was there's a couple more cons. No, I think that covers like the main ones. I suppose if one thing to consider is how much has the original buyer already put down as a deposit? Because if they're already at the point where they've put 15% down or so, they're going to be looking to recover those costs at the closing of the assignment. Mm -hmm. And so that money would have to kind of be readily available by the buyer of the assignment agreement right away. So one thing to really consider is how much of a down payment has already been given to the builder because that assignor is going to want to be put back in pocket for that amount. And then the rest is payable upon, you know, according to the contract that you're buying into. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that all makes sense. Yeah. You know, the assignment process is quite tricky and there are risks and legal requirements and the paperwork doesn't really resemble a usual agreement of purchase and sale. Because it's such a hot thing here in Toronto right now, these assignment agreements, we do, you know, work with realtors who are not so familiar with the assignment process to help them familiarize themselves and to make sure that the deals are written in a fashion that is understood and hopefully favorable to the party that they're representing and you know, I definitely would recommend that you work with a realtor who understands and who maybe works with a, a lawyer who also understands the intricacies of these types of agreement so we can all guide you through the process. Yeah, I, I don't think we'll dive too deeply into it either, but you deal also with immigration law and corporate law as well. Mm -hmm. So you can integrate all that. You can help people that might want to buy properties in their corporations as well as maybe non-residents that want to buy property here in Canada. So you've covered the whole spectrum. You guys are full service. So personally, I represent my clients with respect to real estate law and corporate commercial law. And yes, as a firm, we also do offer immigration, although I am not the person to speak to about immigration. My business partner, who is also my sister, Zaina Marani, leads our immigration practice. And she is the best one to speak to about all immigration matters because as she's so good at it, I completely keep my head out of that space. <laughs> but if you did need immigration advice, yes, we can help with that. And, and I can also help with the corporate setup and governance. Not a problem. Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, I think we've learned a lot. Definitely a lot of stuff that I had yeah. no idea that was going on. So that's awesome. Thank you again for sharing all this. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me as a guest here on this podcast. I'm really appreciative and uh, it's been a pleasure speaking to you both. So now, how can people get in touch with you? Okay, so you can either give our office a call. So first of all, we're, Marani Law is located at just near Queen and University at 30 St. Patrick Street in downtown Toronto. And our phone number is 647-351. 7795. And you can email me directly if you'd like, Zara, Z-A-H-R-A, at Marani Law, M-A-R-A-N-I-L-A-W.com. Zara at Marani Law.com. 
Awesome. Okay, thanks. And as usual, you know, you guys don't have to remember that. Just go onto our website and all of Zara's contact information is going to be there. So if you missed that or didn't have a pen because you're driving, don't worry. Just go over to the website when you get home and all of her information is going to be there for you. Sandy, how can people get in touch with you? Best way, as always, is email or phone info at mckayrealtynetwork.com or 905-308-8333. Awesome. You can reach me at 289-927-0464 and info at BreakthroughREIPodcast.ca. Okay. Well, thank you, everybody. It's been a great show. I'm super pumped about this one. So Yeah, it was really unique. We haven't had anyone on to talk about this, so that was cool. We have not. You're our very first lawyer on the show, so amazing. great for us. What a pleasure. Okay. Thanks again, everybody. Have a great night. Thanks. Thank you. Take care.